losing! Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Art and Caleb. It's Between the Stammers for Thursday, January 31st. Art Aronson here along with Caleb Kirby. We made it. We made it through January. Fuck We're you, all over the January. map, eh? Fuck you, it's January. Right? Yeah. Art got sick. Yep. We were behind releasing a couple episodes because of sickness, Japan, all that stuff. But I feel like we're back on track now. What do you think? I think so. Slightly uh, high on Benelin, but other than that, I'm on track. Yeah, you got a bit of like uh, some redness to your eyes. You kind of look stoned out a little bit. I haven't been sleeping very well the last uh, week or so because of coughing all night long. Mm. It's not good. It's not fun, man. No, no. Like your is it your lungs? Your lungs heavy? Oh, very heavy. Really yeah. heavy. Yeah, like Old I, heavy lungs. Aronson, we're calling him around the office. Yeah, I probably couldn't run around the corner <laughs> right now without uh, falling and gasping and holding my chest. Well, but anyways, I'm glad to hear you're slowly getting better. Yeah, this isn't about me, though, Caleb. It's okay. about the Stammers. It's about the Canucks. We're finally getting close to another Canucks game. Yes. Uh, it's been, I guess it's going to be nine days between games. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had a bit of a withdrawal? Oh, dude, I'm like every night. I'm shaking just <laughs> going through my television looking for some sort of hockey. Last night we actually got some games, though, so that tidied me over a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I... You know, it's it's nice to see the NHL back, and it'll be even better when we see the Canucks on Saturday. Yeah. On this episode of Between the Stammers, uh, we're going to go over the Canucks actually getting to play some hockey again. Is Elias Pettersson too prickly with the media? We'll also touch a little bit on the Canucks and their prospects down in Utica. Caleb Kirby has a few things he wants to run down about those guys down there. He's got a few uh, worries, so to speak. Uh, we're also going to get in on Pierre Maguire, who got a little too Pierre Maguire on uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, his new partner down in between the booths there. Uh, also, I want to talk a little bit about a big trade that happened in the NHL. So uh, let's start with uh, the Canucks finally playing a game here. They're going to go up against the Colorado Avalanche. The last time the Canucks played the Colorado Avalanche. Best game of the year. 77 to 6. Yeah. Overtime. Yeah. Uh, Patterson had five points or something like that in that game. Yeah. Brock had four points. It was a doozy of a hockey game, man. Uh, like I can still just visualize that entire game in my head. That was kind of, uh, it wasn't Patterson's coming out, coming out party cause he's, cause he's already done it. But like, that was like, to me, like the statement game of the season for what this kid can do. I mean, that clutch goal at the end there. Where he just one timed it past uh, Varlamov, I thought was like one of his best goals of the entire season. That was one of the best moments of the entire season yeah. for me. I just thought like Canucks had to get a goal there, and all of a sudden they got it. It yeah. was like man, it felt like a playoff game. It felt like a big playoff moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, like they're in the heat of it here, as well as Colorado. So this is a big game. Like it's it's all big from here on out. Just down this stretch, Canucks need to win. Pisses me off that the Sabers couldn't do anything against Dallas last night because Dallas is in the hunt too and Dallas won that game one nothing like no. fuck well in- Canucks need to get her going and and separate themselves from from some of these other teams that are in the hunt I mean in technically the- LA is still in it 
<laughs> well, with St. Louis making a run here as right? well, it's yeah, it's it's really tight. This is if the NHL wants parity, that's what they got here. Yeah. Every team still has a chance at this point, which makes the trade deadline a little more interesting, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe less interesting. I don't know, depending on the way you look at it. I I just don't think they're like every you know, Benning pretty much came out and said today they're not going to move Edler. And they're not going to be, they, you know. I don't think they can. Trading away any picks or anything like that. So I saw a notion out there that Alex Edler would really, like, um, put himself in the pantheon of Canucks great, great defenseman if he accepted a trade somewhere and then re-signed with the team in the offseason. I, but I don't see him doing that. No, I don't see him doing that. I don't think that should be expected of him to, I don't think so to cement him as an all-time great Canuck. I actually yeah. think that's kind of insulting. It is kind really, of insulting. Really, for what he does for this team. You know, like, the, there are things that <laughs> frustrate hardcore Canucks fans about Alex Edler, but there's no denying that the guy munches minutes. And he, he might be the best minute-munching defenseman in Canucks history when it's all said and done. But... Resigning this guy, they, uh, Benning basically said today that he's not in a hurry to resign him. He expects him to resign. Um, what are you looking at ballpark for what you want to see out of this upcoming Alex Edler contract? What would you like to see? If it was the same contract as he just got, mm-hmm. well, I think if it was the same amount of money for per year, like annual salary. I'd be down with that. I'd be down with giving him, what was it, 5.5 or something? At six years? No, not at six years, though. That's what I mean, the salary. But then let's say we had that exact same salary for, let's say, three years. I feel like that would be perfect. Yeah. Don't you? The first (laughs) thing that came to my mind was five mil at four years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go beyond four years with Edler. Yeah. And I'd maybe try and make that fourth year an option. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's worth – he's still valuable to this team. Would and you with more guys give coming more in. money for less term? I don't, I don't think – like, I know guys drop off when they're around, like, the 35-year age. But, like, I don't know. There's something about Edler to me that his game is so steady and it's been – the same for so long that I don't I don't necessarily see that drop off to his game, um, but it depends on it depends on how much more we're talking about, right? Like I I wouldn't want to see the guy. I don't want to be putting six million at this guy, and obviously it's not my money, but like it's it's wondering how how high that cap starts building up, right? Like they gotta they gotta resign a guy like Besser, you know. They're going to be looking at uh, PD Goddard here pretty soon. Uh, Quinn's coming in. Like, you don't want this contract to linger in those last couple of years for a high price. So maybe what you're saying makes a little bit of sense if you were to do it on a three-year. Yeah. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to go over over six. I think it's imperative to have him back because you can't have Quinn Hughes come in here and expect him to play those minutes. No, I agree. Right? You yeah. don't want him to do that. And he's, he's a, a different kid. defenseman. Yeah. He's a completely different defenseman. That's why I think it's so important to have him back. So yeah. if he's going to want more per year. And the only problem with Alex Edler is, like, it's no mystery why he's having such a good year this year. No. It isn't, right? Yeah. And that kind of sucks, but I don't know what it is. with. There's so many D-men, though, that feast 
uh, like in points, just being on power plays, right? And yeah. and and that's the thing is you can't always judge a defenseman just by the points he's putting up. It's it's also what he's keeping out of well, the that, net. Well, yeah. and defensively, Alex Edler's been an absolute beast this that, year. But that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't really care the type of offensive numbers that he's putting up. No, I don't either. Yeah, I think in his own end, he's been fantastic this season. That's what I mean. Like it's a he, it's kind of a renaissance year for him. Well, he he's really, carrying off of what he did in the second half half of last year. And, and continuing very, very steady in, in his own end. That's what I was going to say. I was like, there was really no place to go but up, I thought, because he took more than half of last year off. Like, just he just said, fuck it. I'm not <laughs> playing hockey. Seriously, he did. Well, I don't he know. Was I think you're being a little harder on him than I would be. I, I didn't think he played all that bad. Um, you know, and then the season before, he had some injuries and stuff. So it it's good to see the Alex Edler that – we've seen before and that we expect playing hockey at the age that he's playing and, and earning, you know, uh, the position that he's in and earning, you know, a potential pretty good contract to come back and, and be with his team basically till he closes out his career. Yeah. It's going to be a big uh, talking point going forward here to see what happens at the deadline. But uh, you're on record as saying that you don't think Adler's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think, you know, in hindsight, when Alex Adler's career is over with this Canucks team, the respect, I think, is going to, like, start pouring out a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, because fans do have problems with just, like, the little nitpicky things. But, like, he's he's solid, dude. He's a horse. He's a horse back there. I mean, yeah, I put him – well, I guess I didn't, but I should have. Like, for me, he's on the all-time Canuck list, but he's also on the all-time most frustrating Canuck well, list. Well, I mean, that's the list I had him on. But I think by the end of his career, that <laughs> that's probably going to change. Right. Okay. I would hope. The optimist in me thinks that. Yeah, we'll see how he plays down the stretch here. Uh, the Canucks playing the Avs on Saturday night. That should be really exciting. Saturday night live in Mile High, though. Here's uh, Travis Green talking to the media on Thursday before that Saturday game. Pretty obvious with those uh, those top three lines. Their top three players on their top line are pretty dynamic. And you know, it's not just those three guys, though. They've got. You know, you look through their team, they got a lot of speed, team speed, and their back end is mobile, and, you know, they had an unbelievable season last year, and they're, I know they're looking to build on it this year, and there's a lot of teams grasping at uh, looking at a lot of spots right now. Yeah, there he's talking about how close it is everywhere, Yeah, just like what we just said. So Nathan McKinnon wasn't able to participate in the All-Star game. He was out, he was injured, and they're asking him how his All-Star weekend was and when he's ready to be back. And I was uh, sitting there with my fingers crossed as I'm watching this. I'm like, please don't say Saturday. Please, please don't say Saturday. He's like, I think I'm going to be good to come back next Saturday. And I was like, oh, man, no. I know. I was sitting there with you on the couch. Because that line is just so scary. And And I was like, fuck. Coming it's, back. it's it's gonna be interesting to see how well they uh they defend him again i thought they did a pretty good job last time even though that was a high scoring game i i mean mckinnon's just a beast like when he's bearing down on you he might be one of the most dangerous guys in the league if well it's paul like a maurice thing. paul maurice because they had the uh coaches mic'd up during the game right or yeah. i guess each coach once in a while whether it was todd reardon or whether it was uh, Paul Maurice out there. Uh, at he, the All-Star game. Yeah, at the All-Star game. He was like, he's like, and I know there's a lot of great players in this league. He said that, but the best player we've seen this year was Nathan McKinnon, just because he puts so much pressure on you in all three zones. Yeah. 
you so see I thought that was really it, interesting. It translates yeah. insanely well, even on television. Like when you're watching him, you're just like, holy crap. He doesn't give you a second. Yeah, he's so fast, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's unfortunate that he's back. <laughs> That son of a bitch. Uh, Ratnan was at the All-Star game. He's the leading scorer for the Avs. And Landeskog was there, too. He was. Yeah, Yeah, all three of those guys were there. So, yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah, it's going to be tough playing against those guys also at mile high. They've been struggling a little here. They have. Yeah, their goaltending's kind of letting them down right now. Do you know the Canucks have more actual wins than them? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I know the Canucks have played a few more games than them, but uh, I thought that was a little interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Avs were, of they're course, still, a playoff team last year. To me, they're still the team I think that's going to finish third in the Central. I think it's going to be Winnipeg, Nashville, and Colorado, and then either, um, what's his nuts? Like, in in my opinion, the Wild. Minnesota. The Wild will probably finish with that spot over Dallas. I think Dallas is going to fade. It's still a pretty unless tough they make division. A, unless they make, like, a crazy move or something. Like, it's still a pretty yeah. tough division, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even think Dallas would be even remotely in this race if it wasn't for Bishop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're right, though. Yeah, Green was also talking about uh, the Canucks really not playing that well the last three games uh, going into the All-Star break. I didn't think we were our best our last three games. I thought our team, uh, quite frankly, I thought we were a little tired. Uh, we had a hard grind. You know, at one point we had the most games and we had the three six-game road trips, but that's uh, that's part of the NHL and that's a good learning experience for our young guys. Uh, you know, the grind, the vigorous part of playing in the NHL. How do you look ahead at this trip and what you guys might want to accomplish here as you come back? Uh, what's the question? Oh, sorry, Bachelor, I kind of... Uh, Cut that wrong there. Yeah. Anyway, he was asking Bachelor, uh, Brandon Bachelor, the uh, play-by-play guy for the Canucks on Rogers uh, radio, was asking um, uh, Green what he's hoping for on this four-game road trip. And Green was kind of like, why are you asking me that? Anyways, uh, uh, and he his answer was, we're not looking ahead to the three games after yeah, Philadelphia, the yeah, Washington, and then Chicago. They're just looking at Denver at that game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, that's what a coach should say. Also, this, like, this is the time to turn it on. And I'm actually pretty happy that uh, the Canucks have had those long six-game road trips away from Rogers. They've had some trying times. They've had the injuries. It's been a trial by fire for a good part of the first half of the season for this team. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing like the response in the second to try and make this playoff push. This is important, man. Like it and and I think so even in future seasons to try and galvanize this group, this core in this team. Like we're gonna know a lot about these guys uh with every game that we get closer to the playoffs, they got to really gr- like bear down and get her going here. And you know, the playoffs are, have basically come early for probably like at least five teams <laughs> in yeah. the West that are just going to slug it out for these last two wildcard spots. There's so many teams just like in the mix. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Like St. Louis, even Arizona's in the fucking mix. Yeah. Anaheim, Vancouver, Colorado, Dallas, like we said there, uh, Vegas isn't too far up. You got Minnesota as well. It's going to be a slog fest, like yeah. a real just back and forth for the rest of the season. Yeah. The Maybe. positive of that, though, too, is like whoever does make it in is going to have have cut their teeth, you know, in like these last three months before the playoffs even started. And these wild cards are not going to be an easy out. Yeah. 
be just because of the the type of hockey that they're playing. Some of these guys with uh, the higher point totals, like I'm not going to dismiss the talent on teams that finish first. There's, you're an idiot if you do that. Well, you can but, look the other way at it as well. Maybe those teams have like busted themselves so hard that they're going to be tired. Yeah, by the yeah. Time it, start, no, right? I understand. I I see what you're saying there, but I think like the the intensity they're going to like when you're coming in as the second wild card and and you're fighting to get in there for three months, you're bringing in intensity that maybe some of those teams that finish a little higher don't have initially. I mean, we, we've seen the Kings do it. Yeah, that's a good point. And they've come in and won a Stanley Cup in in, in history. So. And I think for the Canucks' sake here and for the fan bases and for the fan base of the Canucks, the Canucks' young players are playing meaningful games, and that's you can't, you yeah, can't put a price on that. It's man. awesome. Yeah, and so here, and here's Elias Patterson talking about playing meaningful games. No, it's... It's fun. Like uh, everybody in the team, feel that we can we can make uh, make a playoff spot, and uh, and that's what we are aiming for to, to make the playoffs. Uh, so I think we didn't play our best like the last uh, three four four games. So it's good to get a break to heal up, get rest, and uh, get back back at it again because we all want to play in the playoffs. It's funny that I put an Elias Pettersson clip here because I do want to talk about Elias Pettersson right here. And, uh, you know, kind of going off that clip a little bit, you can tell he's not, like, he's he's still a teenager, right? And he's not, I guess he's just turned 20 now, right? So, this is the, are we talking prickly? Is this your prickly yes, segment? We're switching my, this over This is my this? segue into, is Elias Patterson a little prickly First in the in, media? Have you noticed any of that? Because this, it's been a talking point I, over the last couple of weeks. Can I just make, like, a little quick addendum before we move to this prickly stuff? January 31st, we're talking about playoffs as Canucks fans. Fantastic. Yeah. Happy to see it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. It is awesome. Okay. To Pedersen. Yes. I don't think he's too prickly. Okay. I think he's... Well, he can he, also do no wrong in your eyes. No, but you're talking about... You're saying that he has, doesn't have a full grasp on the language. Yeah. And I agree with that point that he doesn't necessarily have a full grasp on the language. I also think because of that... He comes across maybe as short, yeah. but even the way he answers questions, I don't think he answers questions because he's having a hard time um, figuring out what to say. I think he's he stops and he pauses after he's asked a question. He thinks about it and he goes, what's the best way I can answer something? I think there's a language barrier there as well. No, and I agree. Yeah. There is a language barrier, but that's what I mean when I say the best way I can answer it, right? Yeah. He's going through what he's going to say in his head, and then out it comes. I also think he is just a kid because I don't know where exactly this was born out of, whether it was uh, media outside of Vancouver. I think media in Vancouver, they're, they're okay with Elias Patterson. Um, I've I've heard it from media inside as Have well. You? Yeah, I think this report originally came out from uh, like a province writer. I think it was Ed Wills who like originally broke this prickly prickly story. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, and and there was some backlash there too, just uh, with him even bringing it up because I mean like PD mania in Vancouver, but um, you know like. You even saw it with uh, on the All Star break when Scott Oak was talking to him just the, like on the side. He's like, "Well, can can I get a death stare?" You know, right. and I don't know if I don't know if like PD even knows that that's like an infamous thing that uh, has been tweeted about him a million times. Yeah, you know. Well, when you're talking to Scott Oak, who is 
he's fantastic interviewer and everything like that, but he's really fast. He doesn't have a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, when he's on the air. And then you throw this at Elias Patterson, like the desk there. Of course, Elias like doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Like, I don't think you can expect a kid who just is learning English too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the thing, right? Like the way it's framed to him, maybe, maybe he didn't clue in or or whatever. But I don't think he's prickly, man. I I think he's just very analytical. He he answers questions kind of the way he plays hockey. He thinks about it, and yeah. then he tries to answer it the best way he can. Obviously, when you're from a foreign country and English isn't your first language, you know some of the things you say might not be um, as well received or received in a different way than uh, how you intended them to come out. All of this stuff, though, kind of re- really reminds me of Pavel Burry. Everything about Elias Pettersson and his like his 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 uh, impact on the Canucks, on the fan base, and the way people have perceived him the outside media and everything like that really reminds me of Pavel actually because Pavel was standoffish with the media as well but a lot of it was because of he was Russian and he couldn't yeah. he didn't speak a lot of English right and and even back then more so now there's you know like a bit of a stigma against Russian players in Canada as yeah. a whole and i think some people you know kind of were like oh, oh this, is, this is the kind of russian guy cocky uh, you know has a bit of an arrogant attitude and and that's not the case it's just a guy who is you know finding his way in a foreign country basically for the first year playing pro hockey and then all of a sudden he's got like how like i mean in sweden he was mvp so obviously he was getting interviewed and everything but he's probably a lot more comfortable speaking his own language and everything else this is a bit of a shock for him i think he's handling it well i wouldn't say he's prickly at all yeah uh, and I just bring up the Pavel Berry thing because, I don't know, I guess you were in uh, Japan or China, where the fuck you were, uh, when we were talking about Don Cherry like, calling out. I was in Asia. I heard you. Yeah, calling out um, uh, Elias Pettersson for something just so ridiculous. I heard what you said, and I didn't 100% agree with it. Okay. Um, but I, I I understand the point, point you were trying to make about, um, you know, Cherry saying, like, don't go looking for trouble, and then he's always getting in in yeah. uh, he's always getting in European players' faces for yeah. being soft. Yeah, right? so yeah. it's it's a bit of a double standard. It is a double standard. Yeah. yeah. So that that was the point I was trying to make with that. But I do recall him also calling out Pavel Burry for being a rat. Do you remember him saying I that? I do. Yes. Yeah. So uh, just a lot of there's a lot of parallels here. I think with a, a star coming to the Vancouver market and the NHL. I also like, I also here. think a guy like Don himself isn't viewed with the same type of revere. Yeah, he like to. he isn't as reviled as much as as he used to be um, back in the '90s when Pavel was around. Kind of now, it's a lot of people just look at him as as old man yells at cloud, right? Yeah, like, yeah, true. And and like I, I think Cherry's entertaining. Yeah. I do. Like I still enjoy watching Coach's Corner and everything like that. But uh, the insights aren't nearly like there's a lot fewer insights on how the game actually is played now than there used to be doesn't mean that he has nothing valuable to say he still says certain things value like Uh, certain things with some value to them it's debatable but yeah i mean anyways that just pissed me off so much Uh, i'm sitting there watching national tv and he comes out and says that to a kid who's you know that's 19 years old you know 
anyway, so anyway, I hear all this stuff about Elias Pettersson being prickly in the media, and it kind of, I get so my back up a little you bit. You don't, as well. you don't think he's prickly. No, so you I don't. and I both don't think he's yeah, prickly. I don't. Okay, I don't. But I can also see why maybe he comes across as it. Yeah. But I think that's for me. It's just largely in uh, his. Well, look at his, his Audi commercial, right? Like, yeah. even the way he's delivering his lines in that commercial, it just seems uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe this also comes with, like, maybe just starting with his name, too, right? Yeah. I mean, like, how do you pronounce his name? That sort of thing. And so maybe maybe this was just bound to come around. By the way, what do you think of that alien nickname that's floating around for him? Do you like that one? <laughs> no. no. I don't like that. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't. I, I like Petey. Yeah, I, I think fine. the way he's... He said Petey when he's like, what do you want to be called? And he's yeah. just like, Petey. Yeah. I think that's perfect. I think it's kind of like Sid yeah. the Kid a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll grow out of it at some point mm-hmm. and they come up with something better. Yeah. Right? I think until now, I'm I'm totally fine with Petey. Yeah. Did you hear that nickname that was floating around for um, Bo Horvat? They had a NHL.com released a video the other day talking about nicknames for everybody. It was about, like, I think two minutes long. And apparently some guys on the team called Horvat Bison. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And then Horvat's like, oh, it must be because I got a big head or something like that. But I've always, he does thought, have a big head. I've always thought that Horvat does look like a bull. So, like, when I heard the no. name Bison, I'm like, yeah, that's like, and like the way he plays hockey, just like kind of a stout skater, gets low, gets good strides going, just bull rushes to the net. Yeah. I like that nickname. I think it's cool. Yeah. We don't really have a better one for him, do we? I don't. Yeah. But, you know, like, I mean, if your name is Bo, you're doing all right. It's a pretty cool name to begin with. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Utica Comics, of course, the Canucks uh, affiliate team in the AHL. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to get your take on some of this stuff. So, um, you know, like uh, every once in a while, people do look-ins on, on how Utica is doing. And it's interesting to get a look at the prospects and how their season's are progressing and we've heard rumblings of you know who should the call the Canucks call up you know if somebody goes down if a beagle goes down if a setter goes down a lot of people have talked um about bringing Adam Gaudet up and I think that's well deserved and I think Adam Gaudet is having a great season um it's rookie season in the NHL it's also his rookie season in Utica and while he's been down there um he's a point of game player so his his progress is going along very very well and i think adam Gaudet has proven that not only can he rip up the ahl but he can play in the nhl and i'm i'm super stoked to see a guy like Gaudet's game rounded out and i think a big part of that is playing northeastern college hockey and that has gotten him ready for the nhl yeah i think he's about ready to play i yeah. i think if the canucks weren't so deep at center yeah he would be in the nhl so, so it's 2019 now. Adam Gaudet turns 23 this year. Um, I'd love to see him fit into this roster even maybe uh, this year and obviously be a regular next year. Uh, another big name that was getting floated around was Zach McEwen. If you look at Zach McEwen's progress this year, he's been playing pretty well. Also, he's uh, in 45 games. He has 16 goals, 20 assists, and uh, he's actually like – he. Take some penalties. He's got 42 penalty minutes, uh, five power play goals. Um, but uh, something that is pointed out to me on the comments team is he's a, he's a minus eight. So maybe some defensive work is still needed there. But uh, it's good to see a guy like 
Zach McEwen, who was, you know, regulated to a bit of a long shot, even coming into camp this year, uh, continuing to turn heads. So that's that's great for him. I've definitely heard his name talked yeah. about there, and like if a Ford were to go down, that he would get a shot with yeah. clubs. So. Yeah, absolutely. Looks like he's got a little sandpaper to his game as well. He can play maybe up and down the lineup because since he's, you know, putting some points on the board, but uh, can probably be a checking role in the NHL. The thing about, too, about the Utica Comets is, like, you still hear people talking about guys like Reed Boucher, Brendan Gauntz. Both those guys turned 26 this year, you know? Those I guys think, look to be what I, they are. I kind of feel point. like the jury's out on both these guys, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about them because of – where they are. I mean, Reed Boucher, he's been in, like, an AHL All-Star game, I think, the last two seasons. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like that window is a little bit closed. Um, going back to some of the rookies, though, on Utica, like Jonathan Dolan, 42 games, 11 goals, 11 assists, 22 points, a minus 10. But, like, he seems, especially in the, like, later going on this season, the Utica to have found a little bit of a scoring touch and everything. He got hurt. He got hit with a pot shot uh, a little bit earlier this season. But uh, since he's kind of come back from that injury, he's he's playing really well. Another guy from Utica who was um, not really expected to do as much was Lucas Yasik, you know. And uh, he's having a pretty strong showing for as the season as well. 34 games. He has seven goals, 11 assists, and uh, a plus six on the team. So, like, no power play goals, but, like, at even strength, it seems like he's doing a pretty darn good job. And he's a bigger body. He's, you know, 6'1", 184. So he could, uh, you know, maybe even potentially get called up. I don't know if that'll happen this year, but, but you know, next year. And he's a guy to look forward, forward to. He's turning 22. Both him and Jonathan Dolan are turning 22 next year. So they're prospects, I think, that are coming along quite, quite well. Right. Um. This is where I get a little concerned. Yeah, get let's um, hear the concerns here. With, These guys seem to be moving along fine. Let's yeah. let's hear the guys that the guys the guys I'm concerned about. Um, number one is Cole Lind, man. I like Cole Lind got taken at the beginning of the second round two seasons ago in the NHL entry draft, and like you and I both have had the luxury of seeing Cole Lind play in the dub. Yep. You know, he was an absolute beast when he was on the Kelowna Rockets in his draft year. He had 87 points in 70 games. Last year, he had 95 points in 58 games. I mean, that's his last year in the dub, right? So those numbers get a little inflated. But um, this year in Utica, he's played 29 games. He only has two goals. He has seven assists, and he's a minus seven on the team. And this is the guy who was kind of selected for his offensive prowess. Now, the good thing about Cole Lind is this year he's turning 21 years old. So he's young, right? Um, and and this kind of gets me to talking about another point because, I mean, he did come out of the dub and he did light it up in the dub, but now he's playing in the AHL in a system where the league is comprised of men and hockey as a whole has a lot more of a fundamental structure. So... It's interesting to see when guys come out of junior how they fare in something like this. And and my personal argument, I think, is is um, I think NCAA hockey right now is doing a better job preparing players to come out of the league 
than the CHL is. Unless you're like a top tier superstar, like and the CHL Hill still has tons of those. They but, still got Matthew Barzal. Yeah, but Cole yeah. Lind with 95 points in 58 games is having a tough time adjusting to the AHL. Yeah, and it's not his size. He's got really good yeah, size. It's not his size. He's come on as of late too. Like he scored his first goal, I think, like a week ago. So it's that's kind of good to see. But like this is a guy that the Canucks brought in and drafted based on his offensive prowess, like yeah. his ability to put the puck in the net. And just to see these numbers right now, I'm a little concerned. Granted, he is a rookie and it's twenty nine games, so it's a small sample size. But I personally, I I I thought I would have seen more out of him um, already this season in Utica. Are you concerned about Colin? No, I'm not concerned because no. I think that there could be a lot of things that go into that. You know, maybe he's having family problems. You never know. I think that's yeah. still. I still think that's a little too low. I mean, if he's doing that again next year down there in the HL, I'm thinking, yeah, this guy's destined for overseas hockey. Uh, until then, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too overboard with that. And also, uh, I w- let's also see what he does in the you know training camp and stuff too. Yeah, right? yeah. So Gra- yeah. granted too, yeah. right? Like the Utica Comets are in the thick of it in a playoff race. They're sitting third in their North Division. In the last ten games that they've played, they're six two one and one. Some of these guys who are rookies on this team, and I just listed, you know, a lot of guys who are rookies on this team, Jonathan Dolan, Lucas Jasic, Adam Gaudette, Cole, Cole Lynn, all rookies on this team. They are sitting behind some other bigger players that are munching more minutes and trying to get spots and to that kind can, of find their way in the lineup. And that can be difficult yeah. for a guy who's used to first-line minutes yeah, all the time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so those are, are, are kind of things that are working in his favor, but... Like, just when you see the numbers of production from a guy like Holin, who was very, very highly touted and missed the first round uh, in his draft year by, like, two picks or a pick, you know, um, I am a little surprised by the lack of production. But I'm with you as well. I'm not I'm not ringing alarm bells. Yeah, I'm only concerned yet. about really one guy down there. And who who would that be? Uh, Ole Ulevi. Ole not- Ulevi. Who's not playing? Who's right? not playing? So, and that's really yeah. the only reason. So, yeah. I'm, I like, I think he'll come back and he'll, he'll be great. Um, he, even like the small sample size that he had in Utica, I thought he's helping his team. I actually am concerned about another guy in Jonah Gadjevich, uh, just with his injury history. Um, you know, like everybody's calling him the man child, and he is like when you look at his body, he looks like an adult, six two, two hundred nine pounds. Um, he's actually played less games in Utica than Cold Lynn has. He's only played 26. He's got one goal, four assists. He's a minus six on the year. But I kind of feel like he's in that same position, even though he's a different type of player. Cold Lynn's more of a scorer. Jonah Gadjevich is more of a banger, kind of like um, looking to be like a third-line type guy. And obviously, as these guys develop, they'll get bigger roles on this team. But one thing about Jonah, and one thing about Jonah, even when he was drafted, because he was drafted a little later, which, you know, scouts have said is his fundamental flaw is his ability to skate. And um, that hasn't translated yet. And that's my biggest concern with him as a player. And right. I don't think he's going to make it unless he figures out how to improve his skating. 
You know what they say about prospects, man? You just never know. I know, and I and get that's why I don't like. I'm not looking at any of these names and getting too high or too low. I got, get that. With the but guys now, in the NHL. but now you're looking at them as more as just prospects. You're playing in a pro league. They're playing in arguably the second best league in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, they are getting time out there, and the game they're playing the game the way it's structured in the NHL right now, and I think that's why some of these CHL guys in later rounds have a hard time making the leap, you know, and um, jo- Jonah to me is a guy that I'm a little concerned with just because of the skating. Like, he's young too, right? The benefit of both Cole and Jonah is they're both turning 21. They got time, right? Godet is turning 23 this year. Godet's got two years on these guys. So, like, even comparing a guy like Godet to these guys is a little unfair. They're both still coming into their own, and uh, they're both down there getting some seasoning, and – we're not necessarily going to know what these guys are as players right now because they are in their rookie years down there, so they're not necessarily getting the ice time as much. But, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting um, just kind of sample to take out and, and look to as far as measuring their development from this year to next year. Yeah, and this is what I always say about the prospects and the guys that get drafted and they're in the system and everything like that. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to put together a winning team. And, of course, we can look at these names and be like, okay, this guy, we want this guy to be a star on the NHL, at the NHL level, on the Canucks. But you never know if these guys are going to be stars anywhere. And the way with free agency and the way that you can make a team in the NHL is you're going to be getting guys from all over the place, trades in other markets and uh, you got to be shrewd with those things, and maybe that means guys like Gadjevit, Cole, maybe those Cole in, maybe those guys are never productive players for the Canucks. Yeah, right? I mean, so, I I certainly think it's too early to give up on a guy like Cole and a guy like Jonah at all. I just wanted to bring it to the attention of the podcast because we haven't really talked about prospects much this year. Yeah, and um, I thought it was a good time just because you know it's we're ending the all-star break Canucks don't play till Saturday to just kind of take a temperature and see where they're at. I think everybody else on this team is pacing really, really well. These are the only guys that have kind of caught my eyes as far as like who, who we should be concerned about. Um, especially Cole, because he was drafted so high. Um, I mean, a concern also, you've already named a couple of the concerns there. Uh, yeah. Brandon Gauntz and uh, who was the other guy you mentioned? Well, Br- Brandon Gauntz and Reed Boucher. Yeah, those right? guys are who they think they're going to yeah, be. Those guys, well, I mean, they're both turning 26 this year too, yeah. right? Like yeah. they are who we think they are. Yeah. Th- those guys are both five years older than Jonah Gadjevich and Cole. So they're like those guys still have tons of hockey to play and tons of opportunity to prove themselves to try and make the jump up into the NHL. There's just tens of thousands of hockey players, professional hockey yeah. players that are trying to make it big. Yeah. And it's just it's that's why it's so difficult to on make the, it to the NHL. On the back end for the Canucks, Guillaume Brisebois is having a nice little season down there as well. Well, He's a lack a, of defensemen is the biggest concern for the well, Canucks. That's, prospects, that's what I'm right? saying. He's he's having a nice little season down there. He's you know he's played 43 games. He's got two goals, seven assists, but he's a plus two on the team. Yeah. And um, when he came up here, I thought in training camp he looked pretty lost. I thought his body had developed. Like, he he looked like a guy who should be up here physically, but just keeping up with the speed of the the play in training camp, I was a little disappointed in, in his game. But all reports out of uh, Utica for what he's 
for the games he's played in is he's been a pretty solid contributor down there. So it'd be cool to see, you know, him potentially um, challenge for a roster spot next year. We got you Levy. We got Quinn Hughes, who's going to make the jump. And then even uh, what we're going to see with Jet Wu, who, you know, just had his Pacific swing in the dub with the Moose Jaw Warriors coming through Victoria, coming through Vancouver. He really impressed a lot of people when he was through here. So, and you are, never know, the Canucks are, could draft a yeah. rookie in this next draft that passes all these guys, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the D, like, to me, the D is our weak point right now, but it is starting to shape up. I just thought it was interesting to to take a look at some of these guys because most of these guys were talking about, I mean, Brisebois and McEwen aside are rookies on this Utica team, and some of the guys are stepping up, like uh, Jonathan Dolan, Lucas Jasic, and obviously Gaudette, who was up here and went down. They're doing very well, and then... Colind and and Gadjevich aren't necessarily pacing at the same way, but no. like, every, but if Utica, every, if every, Utica is playing well as a team, yeah, I think that's the most important. I know, and I agree with that, right? <laughs> and and of course, it's not just the player individually; it's also the team. And you need to remember too that every player develops at their own speed. Jake Vertanen is is a classic example of that. You know, he probably gets put up into the NHL a little too soon without having to earn that spot. No. And then he goes down to Utica, and he doesn't produce at all. And then he learns the defensive side and comes back up. He was a guy who came out of the dub, too. And maybe uh, a guy like Cole is taking those same paths, learning the defensive side of the game, learning not to cheat and do all that stuff uh, with the pro structure of the game. So that that could be a thing, too. And, and once he gets that, maybe he'll get rewarded with more offensive minutes and the goals and everything else will come. All right. Nice little look into the Utica Comets there. Thanks, Art. We'll be cheering for the Comets to make a push at the playoffs. Uh, they don't have Thatcher Demko anymore, unfortunately, for them. Sans Thatch, yeah. yeah Sans Thatch. I was just looking at their goaltending uh, situation there. Michael Layton is on their list of goaltenders. Yeah. Well, I mean, that guy for that guy can play in the A for sure. Yeah. Michael Layton, uh, former Sarnia Sting, I believe, or yeah. is from Sarnia. Former Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Layton, Richard Bachman, and yeah, Kabalkov, Ivan Kabalkov. Yeah, so I guess uh, hopefully they can uh, make a run with those three guys. Uh, other thing I wanted to point out uh, as we're going with the Canucks, it's a pretty tough four-game stretch here. Like they could play at Colorado, mm-hmm. and then you got to go to Philadelphia, who are playing a lot better actually. Carter Hart, man. Yeah. He's stopping everything. He's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? And then you got a back-to-back going against Washington. Washington's kind of struggling right Question, now. Question, does yeah. a guy like Carter Hart qualify for the Calder? Mm. I'm going to go no. No? Yeah, I don't think okay. so. Yeah, because, like, I don't think he's even half – I don't think he's even played half the season, right? Well, he, so. he made his debut this year, so yeah. I'm just kind of interested in that because, like, he has – he's really tightened it up for Philly. Like, Philly's back in it. Yeah. With Hunt uh, – with Hart – yeah. Being in the crease there. Yeah. So uh, we'll get a take a look at him. Carter Hart, the former Everett Silvertip. You yeah, betcha, that's man. That's right. Yeah. yeah Dude, that, that guy was a wall for that team. He was like yeah, one he was of the, the best goal why that team dub, was yeah. one of the best players. Yeah, he was the best. I don't think I got to see him for whatever reason when he came. I, was, I saw him a few times. You got to see him. Yeah. I think the one time Everett came in, and I remember doing an Everett. Dude, Everett is team. so boring. 
Yeah. The way they play hockey, like, oh, it's just defense first, starting in your zone. It's very, like, it feels almost trap-esque. They came into Victoria a few weeks ago, and we mm-hmm. did a game there, and they were very boring. Saying, yeah, that's – and it's like they just slog the game down the whole time. They and, slow it down. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I guess that was – I guess that's the way they that, want to play. Well, like, I mean, that was their strategy yeah. with Hart, too, because it was just like when they yeah. had the off, the opportunities to jump, they'd do it. But they played a very uh, defensive structured game. Mm-hmm. Enough about the silver tips. Though. Yeah. So and then uh, you get Washington the night after, uh, of course, the defending Stanley Cup champions there. And then you got Chicago on Thursday at yeah. Chicago at the United Center. I like how your fun. voice just perked up. And you got Chicago. Yeah, I hope it's on WGN. <laughs> I'll probably watch it on WGN if it's on there. Art loves WGN. I do. It's it's my favorite. For a while there, I didn't get it, and because there was some change in my cable package, and I called him up. I called up Sean. I was like, I'm fucking leaving if you don't give me WGN. I don't think you can get it on Telus because I would, I would like it too. What you don't get it as a kid. Okay, I was just thinking about as moving a kid. To I was raised with WGN. It was TBS before. Well, no, WGN, there, we right? had we had TBS and WGN because oh, TBS comes out of this is so Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, and WGN comes out of Chicago. Yeah, but like my dad paid extra for those channels like when I was a kid. Yeah, and I love WGN because you you got all the Chicago sports and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, uh, TBS turned into Peachtree TV. Yeah, and TBS right? used to have Braves games all the time, yeah. but there's still. There's still a TBS, but they cut it out of that package. There's still a TBS that carries Brave games, but that TBS turned into Peachtree, which just, like, reruns, like, MASH and Seinfeld 24-7 a, love it. a day. I love that. Yeah, I mean. G- 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 WGN has that as well, and I like yeah. it. King of Queens. I'll watch those. Oh, no, I'm not watching that crap. <laughs> Come on, man. I like, Kevin I like James. The, I, like the, I like the sports out of those cities, though. That's for sure. Yeah, so if you don't have WGN, it's just another way to get more sports. Like, I watch Chicago, Chicago Bulls games there. I watch the Cubs, the White Sox, and the Blackhawks games, yeah. which are really entertaining all the time. At Madison Square Garden, it's always a good time to go to the rink. Yeah. It's always a good time to watch the game. At well, Madison yeah, Garden. but, I mean, we're like – we're idiots, right? We yeah. watch too much sports, both of us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, it's a, it's a folly. I just, I, I've come to peace with it, though. Uh, we're gonna touch on this a little bit too, because I want to talk a little bit about uh, women in hockey. And at the All Star Game, did you watch the skills competition? And uh, we got to, they started it off with the speed competition. Yes. I watched it. And the very first skater they went, it was a nice touch by the NHL. I thought so. Yeah, sending out uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield to skate first, which I was like, wow, she's got to be fucking nervous. Like, she's about to go ahead of these, you know, NHL stars. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to put up a bad score. but And, man. She tore it up. She fucking tore it up. Yeah. She skated around that ring so fast and the guy, it got the guys nervous. Yeah, I, I think she beat like at least one dude or maybe yeah, two dudes. Yeah, I think she beat. Uh, was it Jack Eichel? She beat somebody where yeah. I was just like, oh wow. Yeah, she beat like a really fast skater. You know what's funny is I actually thought she looked faster than some of the guys out there just because of her strides, right? Yeah. Because she's she's shorter than a lot of those guys, and when she was moving out there, I was just like, holy crap! Like, it, it's look at how quick she's going. Yeah, and it's I don't know when you're watching players skate, it can be a little deceiving because mm-hmm. some guys are just so powerful. Like Billy Garrett was a guy who was really fast, mm-hmm. and you didn't 
you didn't think so when you watched him well, skate. Well, it's like it's stride length, right? It's it's yeah. smoothness, and it's yeah. also like how you explode out of the gate too, right? These guys are starting from a dead stop, and those split seconds of when they just kind of just erupt and, and take those first three strides, like that can make all the difference. I mean, Connor McDavid in that thing. Jeez Louise, like the way he goes around the nets. Everybody he, was playing he for He doesn't stop skating. Yeah, everybody's like, playing for The seconds. crossovers around there, just the way yeah. he pushes and all, oh, like it's it's amazing. Yeah, it was cool watching yeah. Kevin Bieksa doing the color commentary too for it. Dude, I thought he right? ripped it up, hey? Like as a whole, yeah. over the entire All-Star weekend, I was thoroughly impressed what he did. And I mean, like Canuck fans knew after watching how God knows how many after hours with Scott Oak that this guy's kind of destined for the broadcast booth. But, like, I'd honestly like to see him and, like, Scott Oak have their own show. Yeah. You know, even outside of, like, Hockey Night in Canada, I'd totally watch it. I think it'd be more fun than Coach's Corner right now. Don't you think? <laughs> well, I, I've, there's the purists out there that love Coach's Corner. I think it's, Coach's Corner is entertaining because purists. it's, like, almost comical. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of BX with CBC. I think he should... He should take a job there whenever he's feeling like he's done, done. And I thought it was one of the best things about the All-Star Weekend. Uh, yeah. But going back to what I was talking about, Kendall Coyne Schofield was awesome, and uh, the NHL was allotted for... Okay, real quick. Yeah. Did you see, like, I think... Were we watching that together when Pierre, like, she finished and then he, like, grabbed her hips oh, to, like, bring her in for right. the interview? Yeah, I think that was caught on NBC yeah. cameras, but it wasn't caught on... Sportsnet CBC Any, Anyways, so Pierre does this, and it it, it kind of lit up Twitter a little that for a little bit. Twitter, yeah. Like Pierre being creepy in that way. And this goes back to, like, Pierre Maguire when he's working for TSN doing World Junior stuff. Everybody used to think kind of Pierre was creepy. So that was one of the allegations already at Pierre during that All-Star game. Like, why are you grabbing this woman by the hips, like, after she just finishes doing her yeah. fastest skating lap? Yeah. He, I don't think he... It was malicious at all. Like, when you look at it, it looks like he's just, like, trying to guide her to a point where the camera is so he can do the interview. But a lot of people got up in arms about it. Yeah, this is all going somewhere here. Uh, what I what I, what I want to say, the NHL was uh, – they were – they were celebrated for because they brought the girls, the women, sorry, ladies, the women into uh, the game. Like, brought them a bit more to a forefront because there is a women's, a lot of people don't think about women hockey players. We just don't. Yeah. And they brought them, there's some, a lot of really good players. And uh, so try to get them involved more in the NHL. And this is where I kind of want to go with this conversation. But anyway, what lit up this week was because the NHL did so well with bringing those women to the All-Star game, NBC decided to uh, employ um, Kendall Coyne Schofield, who was so great in the speed competition, to be between the benches with Pierre Maguire for a game, like, right away. Like, the mm -hmm. Penguins and the Lightning were playing in a big marquee matchup on a Wednesday night hockey or whatever. That's what they're trying to yeah. pull there in the... The Wednesday night rivalry. Yeah, the Wednesday night rivalry night. So yeah. uh, they threw her down there between uh, the benches with Pierre, and that's kind of Pierre's gig, right? That's yeah. his thing. Uh, along with uh, Eddie Olchuk on that. Pierre kind of popularized that back in the day. He did. And, yeah. And I think uh, Ray Ferraro kind of perfected it, if yeah. you ask me. Well, I, I agree. Yeah. Anyways, Pierre was getting a lot of flack, or is getting a lot of flack right now, for the way he kind of introduced uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield. Let me just, uh, we'll just play it here and tell, see what you think about it. It's been exciting, it's overwhelming, and I'm so 
excited to join you here. So Tampa's going to be on your left. Pittsburgh's going to be on your right. What are you expecting out of this game? We're paying you to be an analyst, not to be a fan tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Tampa start. They've been off for 10 days, haven't had a game. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, had a tough loss on Monday. Got a little bit blown out of the water by New Jersey Devils. So I'm excited to see the start tonight. Let's have a blast. Johnny, back to you. Thank- so that's Pierre Maguire on the NBC broadcast. And people were criticizing Pierre, a lot of people, because they thought they treated, she, he treated uh, Kendall there as kind of like, uh, like, like she won a contest, not the fact that she's an Olympian and a fantastic hockey player and knows the game of hockey maybe better than Pierre himself. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was malicious, and I don't think the intent was there to do anything like that. I think Pierre was excited. You got a smile on your and, face right now. Just come out and say what you think. I look. I I just think it's. I I think people are outraged for no reason over this. I really do. I don't think that anything that he this guy does is malicious in this sort of way. I don't think he's trying to degrade her. Is it on the borderline of maybe mansplaining a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And mm-hmm. I don't think. Pierre kind of realized it when he did it because he was in the moment. But how many times a day do people say things that might not come out as as eloquently as maybe if they wrote it down? Pierre has like this is this is just I think this is like years of build up against Pierre. Is that is that well, not what this I, is? I, I think the grabbing the waist during the All Star game yeah. was kind of the first faux pas with her, mm-hmm. and then having NBC bring her in for this game and the way he teed it up. The audio sounds worse than how it translates to video because he's pointing at at different ends of the ice, which he's not just necessarily teeing that up for her. He's teeing it up for maybe a first-time person who's watching a hockey game yeah. and they decide to t- tune into Pittsburgh and Tampa, right? Yeah. Um, well, like, that's it's, – yeah. it's a visual thing. I'm not saying that what he did – We're paying w- you to be hey, here. I'm not saying what he, what he did was perfect because yeah. he could have said it a million times better, but I don't think it was malicious, and I don't think it was made meant to degrade her at all. Yeah. You know, and, and it bugs me when I see mountains made out of molehills because, to me, this is a total molehill, and it's a dude maybe – I wouldn't even say – I wouldn't even go as far as saying putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, but just maybe not as prepared as he he could have been to tee it up for her. Uh, So this got so big, though, that Kendall Coyne, she was getting messages left and right about it, hey? So she put out a statement today. This is how big it got. So she wrote, uh, My week started with competing in the NHL All-Star game and ended up with calling an NHL game to say it was one of the most incredible weeks of my life wouldn't come close to doing its service. But what made this week even bigger and more meaningful is knowing that it was much bigger than me. People joke about my size, but what I can tell you is I've learned these shoulders are strong enough to carry the weight and responsibility I feel, not just to myself, but to all the young girls who have watched my week and now know what is possible. So she now addresses... Pierre Maguire. I've known Pierre Maguire for years. I know he respects me as a hockey player, a woman, a friend, and that it is why I didn't think twice about our on-air exchange. And when it happened, I didn't give it a second thought until after the game when I received countless messages. I went back and looked at the video. I understand why people would think it was inappropriate. If I were watching at home and I saw a man say this to a woman athlete, I would have been offended. But what I also know is how excited Pierre was for me and to be part of this moment. While I wish it came out differently, I know Pierre doesn't question my hockey knowledge, but to be honest, 
that's not what's important. What is is important is that every young girl reading this to know that it doesn't matter what anyone thinks about my hockey knowledge because I do not doubt my hockey knowledge. I didn't need a gold medal come out to that conclusion. I needed to believe in myself. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, and Pierre also, because it got so big, had to address it today as well. Kirby's shaking his head. Why? I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that like some person watching this broadcast can turn this into something that is a complete misnomer if it wasn't for social media. Like this to me is, yeah, he didn't say it with like perhaps the eloquence that he should have, mm-hmm. but like you can see just by the body language and and his exchange with her that he he is excited. Like he's excited. He's not there to to marginalize what she's doing at all. I think most people can tell this. It's just like people come out and they say, oh, you know, look at the way that somebody said this half a sentence or or whatever. It's not, I don't know. It bugs me. It bugs me to see it because guys, tons of media just get crucified for this all the time. Uh, so one of the one of the biggest outspoken guys was uh, Greg Wyshynski, and he goes on rants about Pierre, and he talks about how Pierre has ruined his uh, the sport that he loves watching for the last fifteen years, and he goes deep. I'm like, wow, there's a deep seated hatred for Pierre Maguire. Well, then there's bias to it, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the what problem. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said I think this is a buildup. Yeah. Right. So, I I think Pierre comes off. Um, obviously he doesn't come off very good at some people. He rubs people the wrong way. But as I have done quite a bit of broadcasting, I mean, that's part of my job now. That is my job now in broadcasting. And you also, Caleb does color commentary as well for the Victoria Royals. It's hard to, to bring that kind of energy every night. And if there's anything that Pierre does is bring in energy. And I respect him for that. I do too. I mean, you see it, especially in the NBC broadcast. I think he's gotten better at it. I, I used to not be the biggest fan of Pierre Maguire when he was working for TSN and doing World Junior Games and stuff like that. I think he's gotten better at it as his career has gone along. And you definitely notice it when you're watching the playoffs. Um, if you go to an NBC feed, man, he gets right in there. And he brings a perspective down in those benches and tees up and tells people what players are thinking, what coaches are thinking. He's done a lot for the broadcasting of hockey. It's been emulated. A lot of it's been emulated because of the steps that he took to go down to ice level to do those interviews and everything else. Like you said before, I I think Ray Ferraro has perfected it, but a lot of that is Pierre. And and as as creepy, I guess, as he can come across sometimes, like – he is good at what he does, yeah. and I don't think he really has any sort of malicious intent or any intent at all to uh, stereotype women or marginalize women in any way. Uh, the statement from Pierre Maguire today, quote, I've known Kendall for years, and I've had the privilege of covering her as a member of Team USA at the past two Winter Olympics. We are all thrilled to have her join our coverage last night, but at times my excitement got the better of me, and I should have chosen my words better. I have the utmost respect for Kendall as a world-class player, analyst of the game, and role model. Oh, man. These statements are just exhausting, though. (laughs) People are like, well, at least he uh, acknowledged it. I'm like, fuck. There's no winning, really. 
That's the yeah. way I see well, it. Well, I mean, you put yourself out there, though, right? You're going to yeah. get haters. Yeah. Does it's like it does it like does it was it would it be better that he yeah. didn't throw anything out there I'm at sure all? I'm sure there's some people who listen to this podcast just once and they're like, fuck those guys. <laughs> Especially that Art Aronson guy. Yeah. Uh so anyway, yeah, I just want to touch on that. But the the biggest point I wanted to make was I think uh you that this was a good uh note for NHL and bringing some of the uh the women into the broadcast and make it part of the game. Uh, I think if you looked at the last two Olympics, the Canada versus USA were some of the most exciting moments. Dude, that right? um, that last Olympics in Pyeongchang, yeah. without the NHL guys there yeah. watching uh, women's hockey, I thought that brought that sport even more to the forefront. Like, the loss of the NHL players for hockey fanatics at the Olympics, like, yeah, that's a big blow to you and I. But women kind of taking center stage in that tournament because of that, yeah. I thought was really, really good for that game. And um, there was some great hockey. Can I, we, can the women hit? Like, can we make that a big part of the, why not? Yeah. I, I think that would also bring the women's game to just another level. I don't see why not. Yeah, well, I mean, like, they rub each other out and stuff, but I think speed is just such a critical point of hockey now and the way that hockey's refereed. I I don't have a problem with how women's hockey is played and or refereed. It's very exciting. Like, they, they can skate just as good as, like, the guys. The pace of the game is great. They're obviously a little smaller in stature in most cases, but, like, the skill is there. Like, hockey, this is what hockey's evolved into. Yeah. And they keep up. They yeah, can game. You, and you make a good point. You don't. Ha- there doesn't have to be hitting for it to be a great, uh, a great spectacle. I just saying. I just say, why not allow them to have open ice yeah, hit once enough. in a while? If that if that's what it means, yeah. I, uh, if that's what it takes. So, anyways, just a couple of dudes uh, talking about women's hockey. That's us. Yeah. Right. Mansplaining here. I hope not. <laughs> uh, I've been known that I. I mansplain I sports all the time. I bug you about it, but yeah, that's, I, that. I just know because it kind of twists the twists the knife in you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's good. Uh, let's uh, finish off our broadcast uh, with what we usually do. We talk about a couple of things that are going around in the NHL. Uh, Artemi Panarin seems to be the biggest trade bait at the deadline from what I'm reading right now. Completely agree. And uh, where do you think would be a nice fit for that guy? Who do you think would go after a guy like that? Well, <laughs> they're going to be asking a lot for him. I mean, if I was, um, if I was uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'd be asking a crap ton for him. Yeah, Islanders. Islander. The Islanders could use him. Totally. Islanders is the first team that springs to mind, and the Islanders could afford a guy like that if they really want to make a splash with him. They have enough coming up through the pipeline yeah, and stuff like and, that. And yeah. I mean, on the last between the Stammers, we. We talked about how they became the best defensive team yeah. in hockey and to get a little more firepower. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine a guy like Panarin rolling with Barzell? <laughs> yeah. They're already hot. Yeah. That would just take them to a different level. That's a good point. That'd be interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. This would be this is gonna be a very interesting trade deadline. I really believe that. And I guess trades have already been started to make be made. Uh there was a trade. The Toronto Maple Leafs traded a first round pick, Carl Gunnarsson, some Nobody, I can't remember, to the L.A. Kings for Jake Muzzin. I gotta, Is this the defenseman that takes the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Stanley Cup final? So going to Carl Gunnarsson real quick, I got a buddy, like, when we go out for beers or whatever, and he starts getting a little blasted. He's like, oh, man, I'm Carl Gunnarsson right now. <laughs> and he always uses it. 
I love it. I think it's so funny. Oh, I'm feeling a little Gunnarsson over here. Uh, <laughs> regardless of that, I don't think it's the move that's going to put the Leafs over the top. Sorry, Leaf Nation. Oh, You're not listening no. anyway, so whatever. <laughs> you guys can chew one. Um, I don't think it is. I don't think it's enough. Uh, they need more on that back end to be solid. Not one, just not bringing in just one defensive guy is going to do it for you. No. They don't have the depth back there still. Do you like the They're move, getting though? there. I think the move is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's so smart of a team like the Leafs to make that move for a key piece this early before the deadline because it sets the price for everything else. It sets the precedent of basically what everybody else has got to pay because now everybody's looking to that trade to ask, am I getting the same type of value that Toronto got when they made the move for Muzzin? So it it, to me, that's a like smart a GM move. It seems like a bit, quite a bit. First um, round pick, yeah, Carl Gunnarsson, some I'm, nobody. They believe they can win now. I don't agree with that. But <laughs> if you believe you can win now and you believe Muzzin's going to put you over the top, then I guess you're willing to... Well, uh, when you make a splash like John Tavares, to you expect splash. to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. You think? Yeah, it's a good piece to to yeah. add. I don't. Who knows? Maybe they're not done. Maybe they go after another guy on the back. Does that also? It also sets the price for a guy like Alex Edler too, right? Do you think? Yeah, I think it sets a price for Alex Edler, but I don't think Alex Edler is going anywhere. Yeah, we went over that. Yeah, yeah. but it still sets a price. So, uh, I thought that was an interesting move. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs going for it, and that's probably not going to be the last move that they do here. On I don't the think it's the last line. move either. Yeah, yeah. I think they could move a nice young player for a, another pretty quality D-man. And, and to me, that's what they got to do. They got to stock that D up oh. if they want to win, which I don't want them to win. So don't listen to me. Don't stock that D up. Mm-hmm. That's what they need, probably yeah. another. They need another. Kyle, another if you're listening. Player. Yeah. Kyle Dubas, was, uh, he came on record and was like, Jake Muzzin was, seemed like the perfect guy for us. Mm-hmm. He can go up and down the lineup. He can play in all situations. Which I guess he can. He's a bit of a bastard out there too, right? Yeah, he's like a bit every of a prick. You know who? You know who? I think he's the same type of player. Who? Uh, Matthias Ekholm. I kind of yeah. think they're like the same player. Kind of. Yeah. I, I think Ek- both- I think Ekholm's got a little more offensiveness to his game, and 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 uh, Muzzin can does a little more with his stick. But Ekholm Ekholm can be a pretty. Bitch. He's a yeah, bitch to play against. He can too. be a pretty tough guy to play against as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so that's the Between the Stammers for Thursday, January 31st. Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? You can find me at Curbman23 on Twitter. You can email us. Tell us how we did with our uh, segments today at BetweenTheStammers at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. At uh, Just type in Between the stam- Stammers. Uh, give us a review. You know, it's great. We'd love that. Art wants these reviews. You got to have them. You got to yeah. have them. We only have one right now. You're all so. hot and horny for them. <laughs> got to. It's, like, uh, it's like Yelp, right? Yeah. It's, it's like Yelp. Careful what you wish for. There's a lot of podcasts out there yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can also find us at the zone at 91.3 slash podcast. Yeah. The, it's, uh, the, the website is thezone.fm. Sorry. Slash podcast. That's my bad. It's all right. Yeah, I don't say that very often. Hey, you're new here. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can find me at Art Aronson on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, you got it all, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in.